We're gonna be in Luke 10. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Good evening, church. So nice to be with you. So nice to get to keep walking through the Gospel of Luke together, week by week. Um, we're, on, we're on a journey together through the Gospel of Luke and through life together. And just by way of introduction, I just want to look at the first few words of our passage together. Now as they went on their way. Right now we're in the midst of journey literature, a journey story. We started off in the Gospel of Luke with Jesus' origin story around his hometown. Now we're in his journey from his hometown to Jerusalem. I think we find journey stories so gripping, so inviting, is because we all understand our lives as a journey. We're going somewhere. And how much, how much more true is that for us Christians? We're going somewhere. We're on a tough road right now through suffering, through distress, through a world that is very broken, and we're journeying to the promised land, to the new heavens and the new earth. And, and Jesus, as he goes on this journey, he's modeling to us our journey, what our journey should be like through this life. He is going to teach us about how we should live, how we should interact, how we should love. He's going to teach about those same things. And I really, really want us to hone in and focus on this specific text as an unbelievably important part of this journey. If we miss this text, our lives could fall apart. I'm trying not to exaggerate here, but it all falls apart if we miss what Jesus is trying to teach us here. Because so far in this journey, Jesus has called his followers to Follow him, leaving everything behind, leaving family, friends, opportunities. He's called them to exercise radical hospitality, loving people to, without, as Sam said, without limit, limitless love. So if we just hear those calls from Jesus, what we might conclude is Jesus wants me to try really, really hard. And that's spiritually devastating if that's our attitude. And I know very few of us would actually think that the Christian life is trying really, really hard. But I just really wonder if that's where some of us, including myself, are at in our hearts at the end of the day. 
I'm just trying really, really hard. And that's what my flows out of my life. That's why I think God accepts me is because of my effort. What we're about to see is an alternative to that. What God actually wants from us, what's actually life-giving, what will actually sustain us on this journey we're on to be with God forever. So let's, let's start to get into this text and see how God plans to give us life in a world that's so hard, so difficult. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So Jesus enters a village. Doesn't tell us the name of this village. Um, the text mentions Martha, but we don't really hear much about Martha in the rest of this gospel. Jesus ends up in an insignificant village with probably an insignificant person. So much that we don't even know, well, we might, we might be able to figure out from other texts what village this is, but just looking at this text, we know nothing about it. And a person who doesn't particularly stand out. And this shows that this incredibly important thing that Jesus is going to share in this text is for ordinary people. This great treasure that Jesus wants to share with you this evening is for ordinary people. You don't have to be exceptional. You don't have to stand out. You do not have to be anything except for an ordinary follower of Jesus to receive what he wants to give you this evening. So at an ordinary village, ordinary Martha, Jesus enters her house and she welcomes him. So what we're going to see here are two different ladies, two sisters. And these sisters are quite different from each other. They're actually going to have some conflict, which is not so unusual for sisters. Um, they're each going to be different pictures of two different kinds of heart attitudes we can have. We're going to see their body language. We're going to see their interactions. We're going to see their relationships with others. But really, everything they do are emblems of two different kinds of hearts. One, the natural heart that we have on our own, and the other, the kind of heart that Jesus gives to his people that he wants us to grow and to cultivate and to have more of. So you got a woman named Martha who welcomed him into her heart, house. There's sister one. And we see sister two in verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. That is a beautiful verse, isn't it? So we're going to find out very quickly that Mary is different than Martha. So she sits at Jesus' feet. If I just went and sat down at your feet, one of your guys' feet, and just attentively turned my eyes upward and looked into your face and just listened to you, what would you conclude about me and my relationship with you? That I respect you a lot? That I care a lot about what you have to say? That nothing else is really important to me right now except for you? There's a posture of humility in the way that Mary comes to Jesus. And it says that she listens to his voice. God gives us a lot of precious gifts in our life. 
But just about nothing is more precious than the words that he speaks to us. We cannot know him intimately unless we listen to his voice. What a gift that God speaks to us. Have you ever been astonished by that? That your God talks with you and tells you what his heart is towards you and he reveals himself towards you? You see, Mary had this awesome opportunity where she could sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to the words from his mouth. And what the Bible teaches is that even though Jesus has ascended and left the earth, that he has sent his spirit and given us his book, and this book, his voice comes through it, and it's no less access to him than if he was sitting right before us. Do you believe that? that you have just the same amount of access to Jesus as Mary did, sitting at his feet and listening to him? It kind of raises this to a fresh importance when we think about it this way. That when we listen to the voice of Jesus through his word, we end up as intimate with him, as close with him, as if he was sitting in that seat right there and you were sitting before him. And what Mary is showing us, friends, is that there is a lot of different ways to connect with God. There is a lot of different ways in the world to get close to him, but there's no way like this way. And unless we listen to his voice, we won't be close with him. You could leave everything and everyone you've ever known. You could sail across the ocean. You could go serve in a remote place in the earth and day and night just tell people about Jesus and love people and serve people. But at the end of the day, if you don't listen to his voice, you'll just be serving some guy you kind of know about. That's it. But if we listen to him like Mary listened to him, we will be close to him. We will be close to him. And those of you who have been close to him know, you know that there's nothing sweeter in the whole world than being close to Jesus. Nothing closer. Man, I just had a, a, a weekend with close friends, and it is so good to feel close to people. And so hard to feel away from them. So hard to feel distant from them. And I just wanna say that there's no one like Jesus. There's no one like him. No one like him. And when you're close to him like this, nothing else is like it in the whole world. If you have lost sight of how important it is to be close to Jesus today, if you've forgotten, if it's, he's not impressive to you today, I'm here to remind you that there's nothing better in the world for you than to be close to him. And we're going to see more and more of his heart for us as we keep going through this text together. So she sat at his feet, listening, listening, listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to come and help me. So now we have the other sister. We have Martha. She's not like Mary. She's serving. She's busy. She's doing hospitality. 
And you would think, well, first of all, is this a good thing, what she's doing? It's really good. I am so blessed when people show me hospitality. And this Martha, she was showing hospitality to the most important person who ever lived. She was welcoming Jesus in. She was serving his needs. This was a good thing that she was doing. But what, just, what this shows us is that no matter how good a thing is, no matter how wonderful a thing is, if it takes us away from the most important thing, it becomes a bad thing. I want us to look at that word. It says she was distracted with much serving. Distracted. What does that word mean? It has the sense that Martha wanted, she really wanted to be closer to Jesus. But she couldn't. She was pulled away from what she wanted to do by other things that she had around her. And that is, that's exactly what can happen in our lives. Is that the good things become the enemies of the most important things. How many of you just want to spend more time with Jesus but just feel like there's just not enough hours in the day? And oftentimes we're not filling up our lives with bad things. We're filling up our lives with showing love, doing ministry, working our jobs. And so what happens is these good things become distractions from the most important thing. And when that happens, they become bad things. So we might think for a moment that Martha's mistake was an innocent mistake. That she just overscheduled herself. She just accidentally put too much things on her to-do list. But we're going to start to see Martha's heart come out more as we work through this passage. What's the next thing she says? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. So what Martha starts to do is she compares herself to her sister. And instead of listening to Jesus, she starts telling him what to do. Isn't that astonishing? She starts telling Jesus what to do. And what this is showing is the ugly thing that happens to us when we try to serve Jesus without being with Jesus is we start to drift from Jesus. Ministry can be the enemy of our souls. Even ministry can be the enemy of our souls. If we serve and love people for Jesus, but end up not being with Jesus, those things take us away from Jesus. So I want to ask you to examine your life right now. What Thing, even good thing is taking you away from spending time with Jesus? What is robbing you of what you need more than anything in the world? One sure indication, one sure indication that something is replacing relationship with Jesus is when you compare yourself with others in that area. So I want to invite you right now 
to think where do you compare yourself with others? Is it your intelligence, your job, your family, your hobbies? What is it that you compare with other people? And our heart's tendency to compare reveals what we're replacing relationship with Jesus with. The text says elsewhere, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And out of the abundance of Martha's heart, her mouth speaks. She's serving, and she wants Jesus to recognize and affirm her service and her sister to follow her example. And so it leads to that comparison that causes her to talk to Jesus rather than listen to Jesus. And I want us to see in this story that this can be so, so subtle how this happens. So subtle. Martha's service was exactly what people would have culturally expected her to do, exactly what she would have been culturally expected to do, especially in ancient Israel. For Mary to sit at the feet of Jesus instead of serve him would have been kind of shocking. People would have thought, only a man, a male disciple, should be doing that, not a female disciple. And what the, this text and what Jesus is showing us is that cultural expectations are not what matter to Jesus. He wants every one of his people with him without distinction. And so we really have to look into our lives and see where are good areas that are taking me away, taking me away from being with Jesus. Oftentimes, they are our greatest enemies. Oftentimes, they are our greatest threats. I love how Jesus responds. Verse 41. But the Lord said to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. So Jesus comes into the situation here. He rebukes Martha. He affirms Mary. But he's not harsh. He's not harsh to Martha. He says her name twice, Martha. Martha, there's a gentleness in Jesus' voice. There's invitation in Jesus' voice. Right now, if you're feeling like God is upset with you, or angry at you, or distant from you, he is gently inviting you to come to him. This is how he approaches people. This is how Jesus approaches people. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Right now, wherever you are, at in your spiritual life, there is a gentle invitation for you to get closer to Jesus. You might feel like, you might feel convicted right now because you haven't spent time with Jesus lately. You might have just heard me talk for the last 20 minutes about how nothing is as important as spending time with Jesus and think I blew it. I haven't spent time with Jesus. And his word to you is, Martha, Martha. There's a gentle invitation a gentle rebuke to come to him. I want us to look deeper into Martha's heart right now. I want us to look further into what's going on inside of her heart. 
Jesus says you are anxious and troubled about many things. I want us to just take a quick look at chapter 12, where Jesus teaches more about anxiety. Luke chapter 12, verses 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. For the life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? When Jesus is talking about anxiety and our hearts in this passage, he points to the source of our anxiety as being losing sight of God's goodness. You see that in the text? Saying, why are you anxious? Why are you worried? God is good and gives you good things. He'll take care of you. So anxiety is the opposite of seeing God as a good father who wants to take care of us. Anxiety is the opposite of trusting that God not only can give us what we need, but wants to give us what we need. So going back to our passage, when Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, I think one thing that he's saying to her is that you have lost sight of my goodness. The reason why I think this is so important for us this evening is because I think a lot of us who are drifting away from spending time with God are losing sight of his goodness. The reason why we would turn away from spending time with him towards doing other things for him is we don't really trust that he wants to meet our needs in, this time, in that time or will meet our needs in that time. And so we go and look for other avenues to find that same goodness. Restlessness is a huge problem for me and for our culture and I'm sure for many of you. And I humbly submit to you today that if your heart is restless, you are struggling to see the goodness of God. If you're unable to just be with him and be in his presence, I think one thing you may be lacking is a vision of the goodness of God. Thoughts such as, I don't think he wants to be with me. I think he would want to be with me, except I did X, Y, or Z, so I don't think he wants to be with me. I don't think I'm worth it to him. Friends, I promise you, I promise you, that if every one of us knew that God wanted to give to us himself, it's his will, it's his desire, it's what he wants to do, that we would clear away every obstacle in our lives to be with him. If we knew his heart, we would want to be with him. If I knew his heart, I would want to be with him more. Even those of us who feel indifferent to spending time with God, maybe you don't feel so, so overburdened by, like Martha, but you just 
I'm like, I don't know. I just don't want to do it. It just doesn't seem that fun to me. I'm not sure what's going on in these times. What I want to tell you this evening is that he wants to spend time with you. He wants to give you himself. God wants to give you something that's more precious than you'll ever find in all the rest of your life simply by you being with him. I want us to fight against our indifference to being with him together. I want us to try to remember his heart, remember his goodness, remember his love for us, and just to be with him together. If we comprehended what it is he wants to do when we're with him, how he wants to give himself to us, man, man, we push everything out of the way to spend time with him. Wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? A few chapters later, Jesus is going to die on the cross. He's going to die on the cross. When he dies on the cross, there's something that gets ripped into. What, what is that? There's a veil. And that veil is the door, is the barrier to access the room where his presence dwelled in the Old Testament. And what that's communicating to us is one of the reasons he died is to throw open the door to you to come into his presence daily. That's how important this is to him. So I just want us to turn, to turn from our low thinking of time with Jesus to turn from the low value that we can so easily place on time with Jesus, to turn from occupying ourselves with other things and allowing those to crowd our hearts out and keep us from being with Jesus. I was astonished when I was thinking about this that we, we are... Jesus invites us to be with him so that we can be with his Father. They're one. And being with Jesus is being with God. And Jesus himself, when he was here, had this exact same value. When he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he quotes Deuteronomy 8.3, he says, man does not live by, by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's ask ourselves this. If Jesus himself lived by every word that comes from the mouth of God, can we do with anything less than that? Can we... Can we be any less in need of God and his words daily than Jesus was? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Jesus then says, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. So I want to invite us all to be one thing people. So I want to invite everyone here to be one thing people. 
And our one thing would be, we are people who delight to spend time with our Father, who delight to spend time with Jesus. This is a struggle for me, to think of myself as, this is my one thing. There's so many other things I want to think of as my identity, so many things I want to pour investment into and trust in. And I want to be a one-thing person. What's distinct about me? What's special about me? What really characterizes my life? Someone were to ask you those questions, oh, how sweet to honestly say, I spend a lot of time with Jesus. That's, that's really what, like, that's, that's my one thing. I don't, I don't, I'm not distracted by a bunch of other things. There's a lot of good things I could distract myself with. But I'm a one-thing person who spends time with Jesus. I want us to just ask really quickly, what, what do we mean by this as one thing, this one thing? Is it one thing as in the only thing we do? And I don't think we would say that. So in other words, Jesus calling us to make this our one thing does not mean that we ignore everything else. Does not mean that we ignore people. Does not mean that we stop going to our jobs. Does not mean that we stop telling other people about Jesus. All it means is that this is the one thing we need before we do anything else. So that when we do everything else, we're doing it with God. So that when we're feeding the homeless, when we're going to work, when we're telling other people about Jesus, we're not doing it on our own as if we don't need God. I've done ministry in my flesh times before where I've just forced it and felt, not felt God's presence. And there's very little life in that. And I've done ministry where I have felt closer to God than any other time. And those times of feeling close to God as we serve and love and bless others comes from time of intimacy with him. This one thing, this intentionally stepping back to spend time with Jesus, does not happen in isolation from the rest of our lives. It is the core of our lives that flows into everything we say and do. Making time with Jesus our one thing is not the end, is not the goal, it's the preparation for everything else. That's one mind shift that I'm trying to have in my own life. When I start reading my Bible in the morning and, and praying, which I would invite you, even if you just have 10 minutes or five minutes, I hope it's more, but even if that's all you can get, just to please start to make this one thing the first thing you do in the morning. That I think of that less as, well, this is my time with Jesus for the day. And more as this is preparing me to keep connecting and relating with him till I go to bed tonight. Because he wants to. So when we're talking about him dying for our sins, to bring us into his presence, to tear the curtain apart, to allow us to have intimacy with him, I promise you, he was not thinking just 30 minutes in the morning. He was thinking from the rising of the sun to the setting. He was thinking through the watches of the night. He's always inviting us to come to him. And, and 
and only when I'm intentional, only when I spend time with him to start my day, does my heart drift towards him during the day. Do you want your heart to drift towards him during the day? Not, not to Facebook, not to Twitter, not to ESPN, but to drift towards him and praying towards him? Man, I'm so much happier when I spend the quiet moments in my day praying rather than reading the news. How, how, how do we get hearts that drift towards Jesus? The answer is you got to come to him and ask him for that heart and make listening to his voice a regular part of your life rhythm. I really believe a lot of us can struggle with knowing how to spend, ex- spend extended time with Jesus. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. It just seems hard. Like, I would like to spend time with him, but I just don't quite know how. One thing that has helped me, and I'm not saying you have to do this, because I'd be actually having a Martha heart if you just feel like you have to do it because I said to do it. Or Mary heart says, I'm just going to look for ways to be with God. And, and if this is a way that works for me, I'm going to do it is I've started to try to find time to go for a walk and just talk out loud and think in my head about God's words. There's something about being outside that just frees me to be able to talk with God. And I just sometimes just, I'm in my room and I just don't know what to say. I don't know if you ever have that issue. You might say, but but I just don't have time to do that. I got got to be with my wife or I have to be with my kids. They'll, They'll come with you. Say, hey, I need to talk to God more. Would you, would you please come with me? Would you? And, and I've done it with people and haven't found it any less edifying. So I'm serious right now. If anyone feels like, I just don't know how to spend time with Jesus. I want to, but I don't know how. I will prayer walk with you until we figure out how together. No one should feel like they cannot have the kind of intimacy with God that he wants to have with you. No one, should, no one should feel discouraged about this. It's one reason we have the church. We have one another. So that when we're too weak or too, too new in the faith or just too whatever to be able to do it, there's other people who can help us. And by the way, I'm not the only person who will prayer walk with you. I'm sure that any of, uh, any, just about anyone would. Just want to invite us into that life of wanting to be more and more like Jesus. This one thing is necessary for everything else, not instead of everything else, for everything else. Time with Jesus is necessary for everything else. Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The good portion. That was a mysterious phrase to me when I first read it. It sounds like a bowl of oatmeal or something. But as you look into the Old Testament, you find that that word portion refers specifically to the promised land in many situations. The good land. The good promised land. And if you read the story of the Old Testament, what you'll find is that the land was God's way to provide life for his people. It was a rich land. It was abundant with food and safety. So what, what, is it, what is Jesus saying to her 
when he says she has chosen the good portion. He's saying to her that this is what gives life. This is what I have designed to give you life. You read the Old Testament, read about this beautiful promised land God made to give life to his people and see that all that that is is an anticipation of the life he wants to give to us now in relationship to him. It's a picture. It's a picture of what he wants time with you to be like. This whole beautiful, abundant place God made for his people to provide for and sustain their life is exactly what he wants to do in your life when you come to him. I know sometimes it doesn't always feel like we're changing or it's dramatic or we've had this breakthrough whenever we spend time with Jesus. But it doesn't feel that way every time I eat a meal either. But it still keeps me alive. It still keeps me alive. So I, I, I want us to have a high view of what God is doing in our hearts, even when we don't perceive it. Years and years of spending time with him. You might not see what happened in year one. You might not see what happened in month one. Five years from now, you might be shocked. Shocked to see what God has done in your heart just by spending time with him day in and day out. Just so you can see right now the new people God wants to make us into as I look out right now. Spending time with him could take you and make you 10 times more like Jesus. That's <laughs> what his will is as we spend time with him. And then Jesus says, which will not be taken away from her. Everything and everyone you've ever known can be taken away from you like that. Right now, you could lose it all on the way home. The only thing that no one and nothing can touch is your closeness to Jesus. You spend time with him, you become intimate with him, that intimacy is going to continue forever and ever and ever no matter what happens to you. No matter what happens to you. The only minutes of your life that truly pay dividends forever and ever and ever are moments that you're spent with Jesus or serving with Jesus. Moments apart from him, they might give you blessing for 10 years or 20 years or 50 years. Times with Jesus will never stop giving you blessing. Will not be taken away from you, church. Will not be taken away from you. You might be here this evening and listening and wondering, I want to know this Jesus who wants to talk to me. I've never talked to him in my life, or I haven't talked to him in years, or I, I, the last thing I said to him was very mean. Well, the good news is, is that you don't get his love by pleasing him like Martha thought. It's not how you come to him. You don't do enough good things for him to accept you. He's already done enough for him to accept you. And all you have to do is surrender to him and ask you, him to rescue you. So please don't, don't leave this room not being able to pray to Jesus every day and get the life from him that he wants to give to you. The message I want us to walk away with this evening 
is that God's heart, he wants to be with us. And he wants that to break out of our times of prayer and reading the word into everything we do. Everything we do. He wants to make our time with him the one necessary thing that's necessary for everything we do. So that we go to our jobs and press computer keys with Jesus and talk to customers with Jesus and serve fast food with Jesus and pray for our coworkers with Jesus and go home and serve our families with Jesus and love our kids with Jesus. The only way that God's presence becomes pervasive in our lives is if, is if we're with him. And this one thing is necessary, becomes necessary for everything we do. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for sending Jesus so that we could be close to you. Lord, we have only tasted the beginnings of intimacy with you, and we'll keep growing in it forever and ever. Please take this sermon, please take this moment, please take this weekend, and take us one step closer to being with you all the time. Whatever distractions are pulling us away from you, God, would you overcome them? Would you defeat them? So that we can focus on the one necessary thing. Thank you, Jesus, for your death and resurrection so that we can speak with you and be with you and relate with you daily. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to move now to a time of reflection and prayer. So I want you to reflect on what, what is it that's taking you away from Jesus, from being with him? And not try to force yourself to go to him as if you need to check off a checklist. Instead, meditate on his goodness and his loveliness and how much he loves us. And come to him because he wants to be with us. Um, when you're ready, you can come up and take the Lord's Supper. There'll be two songs here. In the first song, just please meditate and pray.